0: And I come back to the central point you said first about really understanding what the values of the organization are. I think a lot of people are in places that they shouldn't be, okay? Not everyone does have a choice, but it always behooves you to to not necessarily bang your head against the wall. And a simple exercise I have people do is look at what is actually getting promoted in the organization.
1: We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, how knowing your core beliefs can get you the life and career you want is now out in the world. Thank you so much for your support of the book. With your help, we are a number one Amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories from my coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order values first now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes and Noble or Amazon. I wanna make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Our guest today is Michael Wunderrock. Michael is an executive coach that has helped thousands of aspiring leaders ethically leverage power and politics to break through, And ascend. His contrarian views have appeared in Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and he is the author of Get Promoted What You're Really Missing at Work That's Holding You Back. Prior to becoming an executive coach, Michael served 20 years bringing blockbuster innovations to life in China, the US, and Europe. Michael holds an MBA from Stanford Business School and trained as an executive coach at Columbia University. The discussion. We talked about the definition of authentic leadership, the behaviors that leaders that successfully advance their careers have in common. We also talked about how shifting your mindset can help you advance your career and about the framework in his new book. Let's get started. Well, I wanna welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you, Laura. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, I am really excited to spend time with you today and to get to know you better. Do you mind introducing yourself a bit and telling us a little bit about your career history and your story?
0: Sure. My name is Michael Wenderoth. I'm an executive coach and I help leaders ethically leverage power and politics to break through and ascend. Same thing that you're doing with your practice of of getting the right people um, that we want to the C-suite. Um, Just by way of kind of quick background, and I I love the introduction you give, Laura, on your podcast, so I will frame it in kind of similar terms in terms of what's important. I'm a husband, father of two, global citizen, and executive coach. I am based outside of the States. I'm over here in Europe, but I grew up in the States, and I've had a 20-year career prior to becoming an executive coach where I worked on breakthrough products, bringing those to market in China, um, the US predominantly in Silicon Valley, and here in Europe. So I've had a very diverse career, large companies, small companies, high growth, different industries, primarily healthcare. and brought that and shifted into executive coaching five years ago, because I saw a lot of great people getting stalled or frustrated that they weren't rising or having the impact that they wanted. So that's me.
1: Thank you so much for that context and for what you're doing now. And I'm, I'm excited that we're connecting on this topic of your book. Can you tell me a bit about your book?
0: Sure. So my book, uh, Get Promoted, What You're Really Missing at Work That's Holding You Back, uh, was released uh, in April of uh, this year, uh, 2022. And my focus here, uh, again, is to help folks Good folks, smart, hardworking, aspiring leaders who hit ceilings uh, in their organizations for a variety of reasons that we can talk about. Or those who are kind of moving up and they feel like, hmm, there's something I'm missing here or I need that kind of extra edge as you kind of move up in the, in the echelons. So my book addresses that. Um, I'm an executive coach, so I help people through that process. And we'll talk about this. I, I know there are some contrarian views in there in terms of uh, leadership and how you rise and get things done and make an impact in organizations. But I really put that out there for the same reason that you did with yours, which is to help more people. So there are lots of a lot of concrete examples. I draw a lot from the social science evidence, draw from my practice. Very global. Um, in fact, seventy percent of my practice is women and minorities, and layer that with examples and put it in a framework which we can talk about the uh, the rock the map and the snowball but that's that's my book and um very excited to be able to talk about it and share ideas with you about how we help people.
1: And I love that our books came out in the same month same year. Congratulations.
0: <laughs> Congratulations to you as well. It is a huge effort.
1: <laughs> it is. It is a huge effort. I love meeting fellow coaches and fellow authors so it's exciting to have these conversations today. So um, I haven't finished your book yet, but I started it and I really resonated with some of the, the opening stories. And you talked about a person that you called Matt. I don't think that's his real name, but can you tell our listeners that story and um, what you saw and what you continue to kind of see in some of these people that you know that are trying to get promoted and, and sometimes are, are not focusing on those, those behaviors that actually make that happen?
0: Yeah. So the so the story of Matt just in a, in a nutshell was that he had called me and and Matt is if we think about the people that we know that we respect out there, top performer, you know, came from you know blue chip schools, total, you know, and use the word servant leader, cared deeply about his team and other people, highly ethical. And so, you know, when I thought of someone of who is going to be in this suite, C-suite, I thought of Matt, right? Smart and hard working off the off the charts. And so when he called me, it was incredibly shocking. And he used the language of, you know, I feel like I had the rug pulled out from under me. He used words like there was a power play, kind of office politics were at work. And as we have moved through our careers, and if you actually look, it's not always <laughs> the mats, these top people who are getting promoted. In fact, and if you look at the evidence, it would be a lot of leaders who exhibit characteristics and use strategies um, that really don't come from, you know, the popular leadership playbook. And so we can have a discussion about why that exists. But I saw this and, you know, the first response is to get very upset <laughs> about this happening. And, and I mean, it affected Matt, when someone gets derailed, it takes a while, he has recovered. Um, and I was more of a friend than a coach at that stage. But the story really hit me personally. And kind of using that when you get furious first be a little curious. And and so that kind of awakened in me this thought of, I do see this happen a fair amount with good people getting stalled or not having the impact they want or not in the game. So it just got me to read a lot of evidence of like, why were the other people getting promoted and Matt wasn't? And then it shifted. And this is when I started to move into coaching to say, hmm, the evidence would suggest a lot of things that those who are rising are doing that we may not like, or the leadership industry kind of, uh, you know, dismisses, but if that's working, hmm, is there something people can learn from that without actually becoming those people they so despise? And so I think there's this kind of very interesting tension of thinking about that. And again, that's what my book looks at, right? How do you get highly ethical people who have deep values and when there's things that clash with their values, politics, power, how do they manage that when those are really key ingredients that are needed to helping you rise in the ranks or, or having an impact? So let's be clear, you can have an impact and have meaning without being the CEO of an organization.
1: Right. And so when you talk about some of the behaviors that the non-MATs are doing to get promoted, what are we talking about? Is it managing up? Like, what can you name some of those behaviors?
0: Yeah. So a lot of it, it would fall under this umbrella of managing up. It's the the interpersonal. And If we just kind of pull back for a second, if you think about as you rise in the ranks, you go from individual contributor where you're doing things and contributing yourself. When you get to management and leadership, you are essentially working through other people. And so you're very kind of in an independent environment. And so your political skills, your interpersonal skills, your influence skills are paramount. Um, to leading both with colleagues, managing your boss to get resources, and then also kind of leading through others. When we break this down and and kind of look at the skills, and and you can see this come up in kind of the language that people will use, and you might have to reframe some of that language. But a lot of those individuals are, we call one category, just they're highly networked. So they're very tapped into the power. That may be things like they have sponsors, or they get along well with key stakeholders, or they understand the agendas of those stakeholders. And so the networking piece or social capital is is incredibly important because some people have more power, influence, control of resources and organizations. Again, back to that interdependent point. So networking is one. I'd say there's another uh, key part, which is those interpersonal skills. That's kind of a broad area to look at. They're good at managing and working with other people. And then third, I mean, we could go through more of these, but I'd say kind of the big three is they are good at communicating. You know, sometimes this falls into this broad area called executive presence. I think it's kind of over-discussed, but poorly understood. So what does executive presence mean? Like that person looks like a leader. Um, But there is a piece to effective communication, how you show up, And we could unpack that some more, but those people are used negatively. They might be pretty slick. They may be, you know, charismatic. That's not, you know, necessarily a bad thing, but used in different ways it could be, could be bad. So understanding that and how they might harness it, right. Could be different ways of communicating as you get up or you work with people who are very different from you.
1: Thank you so much for explaining those and giving further context. So as we think about, some of those behaviors that Matt had, servant leadership, caring about his people, authenticity, and we think about that more broadly than him, but this story of you know, how to rise, how to be this great leader, we are often told, I say it, this is stuff that I say, it's this idea of um, being authentic, motivating, leading with your values, You know, removing obstacles for others. So are we saying that that doesn't work or are we saying that we need to do both? Like what what what's your what's your thought on how how can I remain authentic but then also still advocate and use those networks? Use the the right communication? Is it that I'm not doing both or is it that authenticity isn't the right way?
0: Yeah, so this is I think a topic that we both care a lot about and you know, authenticity here has multiple definitions. And I think this is part of the, you know, the, the vocabulary that we're using, particularly when it goes up on the, the, the Twitter universe with, with one word. And so I think it can be defined in different definite, you know, in different ways, you know, and here's part of the question, right? Is to be authentic, does that mean you say what is ever on your mind, right? Whatever you are feeling at the moment, I've seen it kind of framed in that way. Is it, being true to your core values? I think that's a very important definition that I also use here around authenticity. Or is it always, you know, being kind of always kind of fully yourself? And here's the question of kind of what self are we talking about? Like yourself when you were younger, yourself when you are now, we are constantly, you know, changing and growing as individuals. So to, to, to break this down, I would say where I and you know, have challenges with authenticity or the way it gets defined is when someone says, hey, I need to say whatever is on my mind, right? So this whole thing about reading the room is really critical. There may be moments or particular because of power dynamics that you might be careful or think about how you frame something in that moment or, or, or to that particular individual. I think this part about values is really critical. And I think, People constantly need to be thinking about their values, and that's a huge part of being authentic. And half the time, people are in the wrong organization that doesn't represent their values, and they need to think deeply about is this the right place even for me? Right. And if it's not, you know, <laughs> you should be somewhere else, or you should go create a place where other people want to be at. To do that, you do need a certain amount of power and influence to be able to go carve that path on your own. But I admire a lot of people and I think that should always be on the table rather than suffering in an environment that is not lined up with your values. And then the the last point here around always kind of being yourself to which self. I will make the point that authenticity sometimes is presented by clients of mine or out there where I've always got to be a certain way and what that can do in the name of authenticity is create this, I am who I am right now, I'm never gonna change. And it creates a kind of rigidity with which people will not experiment with other things. And, And as you're moving in the ranks, as you get older, right, through different stages of life, you do, things do shift, right? Or you need new skills. And so thinking about, hmm, how might I experiment with those things? How might I reframe it? Or how might I do those in ways that still line up with my values? And that's a point where I think we're both very much in agreement. So a short kind of answer to your question, but authenticity has so many different definitions. And I think it's kind of lose its meaning when we don't define it very well.
1: Um, I think sometimes the word authenticity is used as a way to just say, hey, that's just how I am. And you might be a jerk. That's not who we want to see at work. (laughs) All right. Even if that's who you are, that may not be appropriate.
0: yeah so I think there's a lot about thinking what 's appropriate, what 's there in the moment, but I think too there's there 's often times where you may not be fully confident going into a situation, and you need to again be thinking about that and what might the situation call for right? I used to work in medical devices, and so when you come out if there 's a recall, right this is serious stuff, but if you come out as a leader and say, we have no idea what happened, we have no plan. <laughs> You're probably not going to be in your position very, very long or engender faith or trust with your team, your stakeholders, even your customers. And so there may be like what's authentic to the situation is channeling. Right. I believe we're going to get through this. Right. We've got a strong team. And not to say you're lying, but to say, hey, we're going to get to the root cause. We're not there yet. And so there's where there's a little bit of acting. And does that mean you're not being your authentic self? That, I think, is a good question for people to be thinking about. And, you know, are we really even talking about authenticity here? Or are we talking about showing up and, and doing what you need to do in the moment?
1: Yeah. And I think in those instances, when we rely back on this idea of leading with your values in terms of you know, integrity, you might not know the answer in that example that you gave, but you can still come with compassion and you can act with integrity on understanding the way forward, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where, you know, the values, because it is something that I work on with my clients as well, really establishing what their values are, where are they in line, where there may be clashes with it, because this is where... <laughs> you have a lot of i would call them good well-meaning highly competent people they struggle with this if they feel and here's where you know you start to get in the murky areas hmm if i'm making orders at some point is that being bossy am i do i have to take into account everyone's input because there can lean into like over being over inclusive and that can also paralyze you as a leader because you're never going to have perfect information And you do need to make leadership ultimately is about being effective is sometimes that means making tough decisions. And that's where sometimes people cannot or they struggle with, hmm, do I lean into this? How do I lean into it? How do I still do it? That's in concert with my values.
1: It's good. So as we think about then this idea of authenticity, servant leadership, I, I feel like we're both in alignment that it's this idea of. Be authentic to you is having some flexibility in the situation, but staying in line with your values personally, but then also finding the right fit at your organization. And in those spaces, hopefully, then you can show up more authentically. Um, but then you might also still be missing on this promotion piece. So, can you talk to me a bit more about some of those? And it, this might be a great time to talk about your framework of how. And what some of those missing things that you talked about, networking, influencing, communication, how can we do more of this? And what are those keys to success? The keys
0: here is, is let me step back, I guess, a second in terms of talking about the, the, the framework in the book, which is the rock, the map and the snowball is the rock is about getting real about, hey, we live in this environment. The map is about getting strategic and the snowball is about getting doing. And, and I come back to the central point you said first about really understanding what the values of the organization are. I think a lot of people are in places that they shouldn't be. Okay. Not everyone does have a choice, but it always behooves you to, to not necessarily bang your head against the wall. And a simple exercise I have people do is look at what is actually getting promoted in the organization. You do a scan. You don't listen to what people are saying because leaders notoriously rewrite their histories, HR, uh, you know, will write stuff. But then you will see, ah, it's all like team players. Ah, but the actual last five people I saw who got promoted, they took massive credit for other people's work. They show up in a strong way. They're doing certain things.
1: Heroics are being like rewarded in those cases, right? Right,
0: right. So I think you need to do a scan and really understand your organization. And then you have that piece of the rock, right? Of what this looks like. Now that doesn't mean you need to accept it. But it does mean you need to say, well, how am I going to navigate this? And you have some choices, right? You can either play that game, but that may be in total conflict with your values. Or you may also say, hmm, I need to kind of adjust, right? We're always kind of adjusting a little bit. So, hey, some of these things are valued. I probably need to have visibility or brand. I need to have some key sponsors. Okay, but I still am going to think about how I do that. That's in concert with, what I'll do ethically or my values. And the problem here is as soon as you talk about politics or power, everyone has a negative association with it, okay? Because power is, is evil, is based on your position, is coercing people. But when you really look at the definition of it, it's nothing more than a force, a force by which you get things done. And so if building a network, having visibility and brand, which could simply be standing up, having allies who will come and support you in meetings, (laughs) call things out when they see it, and also taking a good look at yourself because sometimes you may not actually be showing up in a strong way. Strong, we can talk about definitions there. So I think this is the part around the map, okay, in the book, which is to be strategic. I have this saying in the book, if you go back and look at what Lincoln says, right? If you want to, you know your true north, you know where you want to go, but if you're not paying attention at all to the terrain or mapping things out, you could be in for a very rocky road. And so doing that scan, but then also looking at, hey, who are the people who have resources, have influence? And then to be very strategic about how you cultivate those relationships, how you think about it, which moves you into the snowball, which is you actually need to start doing some of this stuff, not just thinking about it. And so to be more, analyze how you use your time. Right, very much analyze how you use their time. I find that a lot of very good meaning, well-meaning people spend all their time kind of down, right? Nothing wrong with that. You're helping your people. But part of your job as a manager and leader is also to manage up because maybe you're working with half the resources that your more savvy colleague is, is, you know, getting twice the budget to do the same stuff. And so you're actually doing the people that you're trying to serve a disservice because you're not securing resources or you're not knowing the strategic ways that the winds are blowing. This was, this was Matt's problem, right? Why he got derailed because of a merger and he was not attentive to that, what was the way the winds were blowing. And honestly too, right? If you build relationships, sponsors with good people, people are then also talking about you when you're not in the room in good ways. Opportunities are coming up. So these are pieces when you really put it together that address that get promoted piece. And and I would say this, okay, because that is the title of the book, and that is the focus and what a lot of my clients want. But a lot of times, when we dig in after we started working, right, and you know this, or your audience knows this. It's not always about getting promoted. It's more about am I being valued? Am I right. making an impact? Yes. And so you can still lead, have an impact from different parts of the organization. And so that's something, too, I encourage everyone to be thinking about, right? You know, what is it about getting promoted that, you know, (laughs) is rewarding you, right? Or, you know, what is the angst of, of, you know, why you're not? And to look at that, because you can have tremendous impact in a lot of different ways. But I would argue in this that the idea of building power, thinking about influence, interpersonal skills, figures very deeply in making you effective.
1: I think it's really interesting. Um kind of the mindset shifts that you've been talking about. So this idea of the mindset shift around power, a mindset shift or almost alignment and decisions that you have to make. Is this in alignment with my values or not? So I'll share one example. I use, so I'm an introvert. I do not like, I hated networking, hated it throughout my career. And I saw it as a negative thing. And I saw it as like, oh, people are schmoozing and it's a waste of time. I'm going to do the work and that'll get noticed. And you can see where this is going, right? Right. Um, it, it doesn't. And so the person that I talked about in, in my book, his name is John. <laughs> and he um, got this award at the HR Awards. And I was like, you have got to be kidding. Like that dude, really? That guy? Like he, And what did he do? He managed up, right? He was really bad of other things. But he was a really great networker and he managed up. And so that made me hate doing that even more, <laughs> to be honest, because I was like, well, if he's being rewarded for that, like, I don't want to do that. And, right. and then, and then it's like, well, what's being rewarded here. Right. But it was like a, it was a big mindset shift for me in terms of, well, what really is this and what am I good at? I'm a really great relationship builder. I have a huge network, a really great network. And I have built that based on -on one-on-one relationships and proven my credibility and, you know, built trust with all these people. And the mindset shift that I've had over my career has really been to leverage and build more of these relationships and then communicate more about my team's wins in these relationships, stay connected to these people all of those kinds of things. So now um, I don't think about it as networking. I just think about building relationships and is very much in line with my values of growth and development, because then I can connect more people together. I can help different people and enable each other's careers in a different way. And so when I had that just mindset shift, some of those same exact behaviors that, you know, John did to get promoted. Guess what? Now I'm spending more time technically networking, right? right, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm networking is what I'm really doing. Um, but really in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm just building relationships. And that shift enabled me to think about it in a different way. And it played to my strengths. It played into my values. So how often are some of these things really mindset shifts?
0: oh, I think they're all mindset shifts. And so I think this is also, you know there's a lot of books, academic books around power and so forth that I, I, I draw from that. But where I'm trying to address is, is, is as a coach, right? The same as your book, how we work people through the process, because it's one thing to kind of understand, okay, office politics and, and power, but it's another thing to then look at how this clashes with your values, if it does, what are you actually going to do, right? When you show up next week in the office in that particular meeting or situation. And that's very difficult. And that, is, and that is a process where, you know, working with a coach is extremely helpful. And I would say on this point around, I mean, I have a big part around reframing. Well, one is, you know, your example there. And I see there's a lot of people. It really burns them up. And I hope it does burn up people to see like, you know, certain individuals rising in the organization, because they're the ones who are actually making things worse. <laughs> and so it's almost like, you know, your obligation, you're going to make things better to then also get into those positions. Um, yes. but, the, but the reframing here is, is fundamental. And part of it is thinking about, like you did, maybe it's the vocabulary you're using, but also is thinking about this, because a lot of people are selfless, is to think about by doing these things, building relationships being visible, getting credit where credit's due. When you do that, you are actually serving others, right? You're building a lot of room to run for your team. You may be making change in the organization. I mean, we talk about DEI. and i you cannot talk about that without thinking about power dynamics and you need more people in the positions to help affect that change. So all those things are really, really critical.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. Um that idea of everybody has their own, you know, John or whatever, (laughs) like the, the person who they're just like, really, that person got promoted. Um, so it's to your point, it's like, okay, then if that's happening, um, and if the first and foremost, is that organization the right place for you? Because if he's getting promoted for like legit unethical reasons, then like that might just be a, a values misalignment and you may not, you should, maybe you shouldn't want to get promoted there or have impact there. But if it's an organization that you generally, you know, like the culture, you align with the values, which was the case for me in that organization, love the company. And I love this, the thought that you had about, you know, you're doing others a disservice by not kind of stepping in some of those behaviors that we sometimes shy away from. And sometimes just, it's just a mindset shift or a vocabulary shift. So what are some of those things like tactically that leaders need to be doing differently? Is it having those conversations? Is it finding sponsors? Is it recognizing their employees? What kinds of things do we need to be doing more of?
0: Um, You're talking about for the leaders who are currently there or those who are kind of aspiring and moving up and moving into leadership positions?
1: I I think both. Like let's, let's talk about both. What about the ones that are aspiring?
0: (laughs) Right. So if we talk about the aspiring funds first. One is it, it, it again, behooves you to, to be doing the activities or spending your time. That's going to help get you into positions of influence or have the means to affect things. And so that's very much where my book is positioned. It's, you know, a little bit real politic around this is, you know, what the social science evidence would say propels you. We talked about a bunch of them, networking, how you're showing up, visibility and brand and those interpersonal skills. And and then I would say too, is to always kind of be thinking, and I like what you say about, you know, writing down your values or thinking about, hey, as I have more influence or sway, what are the things, you know, kind of what's my long-term goal? What am I trying to do? Because as you move up, right? And if you're not careful, right? You can actually (laughs) shift, right? You become less empathetic. You're not paying attention to things. You become more engrossed with with the money or the titles as you rise up. So a constant kind of check on yourself, I think is really important, but also to look at what you can do now, right? You may be leading a team and let's just turn this around and say, Hey, you know, we know a cognitive bias of like the person who talks the most gets listened to, you know, to your point about extroverts and introverts shift the way you run a meeting. You know, there's a lot of good social science evidence that we still run meetings the same way we've always run them. So there's this inherent bias to the person who speaks first and loudest and most. But have people submit suggestions? Everyone has set airtime, right? So there's little things that you can do on that level, right, to start to affect change. To flip over to what leaders right now should be doing. So on this one, Laura, I'm a little bit going to be a little bit more pessimistic, but I think we have a lot of... Not terribly great leaders. I'm probably being generous with that word. And I actually think that, you know, a lot of leaders in and of themselves are not going to change the system that benefits them. Okay. I think we have some enlightened ones who are starting to do some stuff, but I think there's a lot of lip service out there to all of the social stuff that is going on in the States, to DE&I. And the lip service, I think, doesn't help, right? You need to see some structural change. You need to see things happening. And so, while I believe, right, there needs to be some structural change, I think people in power don't willingly change the rules or change the system or who's getting promoted. So, that's where I think it comes in of the kind of enlightened leaders, but also you as individuals, it's very incumbent to start to to rise and get into positions of influence um, so that you can make a better system. And if that's not happening in that organization, you need to go somewhere else.
1: We completely agree on that. It's like how do how do we get more of those enlightened leaders in those positions, right? So yeah. to your point of hard and fast look on, is this the company that I can make an impact in? I think there's a lot of leaders that are stuck in kind of middle management of really big companies that potentially are not getting promoted into these really great roles. And they may never, and they're yeah. and they'll stay there when yeah. they could leave and be in a more aligned, maybe smaller company, but a bigger role and make a bigger impact. And so I, I think that's the work you and I are, are doing, and we're trying to trying to do more of. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so people need you know help with this. They need to be think about the strategies they do it. You know that 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 help them. And I think there's a lot of things sometimes that you know these good people that we were kind of talking about the mats you know they're they're more reluctant to ask for things i think you need to ask right you need to position that but people in power will ask all the time they will demand they will (laughs) they're used to getting their way and so one of the things is you know as you're thinking about what are things that you shy back from right part of this is just being agentic right having agency and Many companies will not totally love what I say, but I think every employee should always know their market value, should always have, you know, another offer out there because one that it creates leverage, right, or empowers you. And power is also defined by who has leverage in a relationship. So I think the great resignation to this point is helping wake a lot of the top leaders up of, you know, we need to retain people or if we want our best people, we do need to, to meet the moment right now.
1: That's right. That's right. There's a little bit more leverage than before, but we still have some some room to go.
0: Yeah. And we need to use it because times will shift, right? We've seen all of the ebbs and flows. And as soon as it shifts back to being a more employer-favored environment, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen, right? Those who have been talking the game won't even talk it anymore. They'll just revert back to the status quo. So... I tell people to take care of themselves.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm, I agree with you. And I think the tools that you have in your book are a really great start. So can you tell us how to find it and how to connect with you?
0: Sure. So my book is available on Amazon, uh, Kindle and paperback. And you can get the first chapters for free on my website. We can put that in the notes, but it's changwenderoth.com. And basically following my main medium is LinkedIn. That's where I write, post, share, but also a lot of resources from articles I've written, uh, Harvard Business Review and, uh, and Forbes are on my website. Yeah.
1: Really enjoyed our conversation today. And I just thank you so much for being in this space with me. I love connecting with other coaches and really excited to finish reading your book. And I hope that we connect soon.
0: Yeah, and let's get more of the people that we want into the C-Suite. So thank you very much, Laura.
1: I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.